So I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the words, don't worry. I think for me, um, a couple of songs come to mind. I don't know if you remember that one, don't worry, be happy. Um, <laughs> if I could whistle, I'd probably give you a little rendition, but I can't, so I won't. But don't worry, be happy. Just turn off those worried emotions and be happy. That's the message of that song. Or maybe you've been to the cinema recently or you remember the film The Lion King and there's that song, Akuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your life. A problem-free philosophy. Just forget about your responsibilities, forget about everyone else and get on, your, on with your life and enjoy it. That's another approach. But I don't think Jesus is saying either of those things in this reading about not worrying. It's not just about turning off those worried feelings. It's not about forgetting our responsibilities. And I hope as we look at this um, passage, which is probably really familiar to lots of you, that we can find something more about the compassion of God and find some really practical things to help us in times of worry and some spiritual encouragement as well. I'm going to be sharing some little things that I found in the passage. And at the end of the service, I'd love to hear what's special for you in the um, passage as well. Not in front of everyone, just at the door on your way out. <laughs> Don't worry. Now, for some of us, that's quite easy. Some of us were born not to worry. And this is a lovely, reassuring passage. Think, oh yes, I don't need to worry. And we can move on. Other of us are born worriers. We're just wired that way. We can't stop ourselves from thinking forward into the future and all the pitfalls that might come. Some of us suffer with chronic anxiety. That's a medical condition. Of course, worry isn't in itself a bad thing at all. If someone's taking my children away on a camp or a weekend, I want them to be a bit of a worrier. I want them to think about all the bad things that might happen and prepare accordingly. If we appoint someone to be our church treasurer, we want someone who's got an eye for details and looks forward and thinks about whether we can sustain all that we want to do as a church care and concern and forward planning are the positives of what we might otherwise call worrying. But there is of course the flip side too. Often for those of us who worry, the joy of the present is robbed because of the fear of the future. Worry can be carried in our bodies with stiff and bad backs or necks robbing us of our sleep and that's not good is it and as I said those suffering with chronic anxiety can find that as debilitating as any physical illness or condition and actually in the church that can be a hard place to be and I know people who feel judged because they're thought to have a lack of faith because of this anxiety. Being told not to worry isn't necessarily very helpful in such a circumstance. I've been reading a book recently and I do feel a little bit um, careful about what I say today because um, 
I don't want to be unhelpful to anyone. I want you all to leave feeling encouraged and hopeful. Um, I've been reading this book over the last few months by a lady called Christy Wimber. You may have heard the name of her father, John Wimber, who um, was a very famous um, evangelist. I think power evangelism was kind of the title of the, uh, his ministry, preaching but also praying for healing all over the place. And she doesn't question that at all, but what she questioned was, what about all those people who came for healing but didn't receive it? How do they continue to function and live in the church without feeling like they're lacking or failing in any way. And she's written this book called Wholeness, which I found really helpful. And one of the chapters was written by a friend of hers who does suffer with anxiety. And I just want to read something that she said. So she says that a church leader she knew once tweeted this, Anxiety levels tell you about your trust levels. And of course, this sometimes may be the case. People's anxiety about something might suggest they are not surrendering to God, not trusting that he will fulfill his promises, not believing that he is holding us and is with us. However, in many cases, this is an incredibly dangerous statement when not clarified. When I read this, I was theologically aware enough and mentally stable enough to catch myself before I started the spiral into the guilt-ridden hole of, that means I don't trust God. The problem with this is that many people who experience anxiety on a medical level will read this statement from someone who has studied the Bible in depth and think that they are failing in their faith. And she goes on to say that some of the most damaging words spoken to her have been in church. Comments have led her to think, I don't have enough faith. I'm not trusting God. I just need to understand God's love. I have a demon raging inside me. I need to just put it out of my head and know that I'm loved. This kind of language leads to a vast sense of rejection when in fact all I've done wrong is to get ill. So at the beginning, I want to say that I appreciate that for some of us, anxiety is a chronic thing and it's not something we can just turn off. And that each of us have a part to play. And if medication is correcting a chemical imbalance in our body, then that's a wonderful thing and we should thank God for our health service and all it can do to help us. But there are some wonderful things in this passage as well which can help every single one of us. So we're told not to worry. And the first thing we're told to do is to look up, to look at the birds, to look at the flowers. And often when we're consumed with worry about something, all we can do, imagine holding it in your hands and just going over and over and over it, and we can't see anything else, all we can do is look and think and worry about the problem or the person or the situation. And maybe the first and the most important thing is to look up. As we read in that psalm, God lifts up those who bow down. Ask God to raise 
our eyes beyond the problem to look around us to look up to him to look up and then it also says in the passage to seek his righteousness I don't know what that means to you but I think it could mean that we can make sure that in our worrying, in our fear, in our anxiety, we don't fall into sin. Sometimes fear, pain or frustration erupts as anger within us and we snap at the people around us. We speak unkindly or cruelly. Or we uh, hurt other people. Or maybe we start to hoard and accumulate things to make sure that we are provided for. We don't do the things we should do and we do the things that we shouldn't do. We need to keep going back to God and asking him to make sure that we have a pure heart to keep asking his forgiveness and to help us to live in a godly and a pure way, not hurting those around us. And then, of course, in this passage, it talks about seeking the kingdom. It's easy when we're worried or stressed by things to stop doing the things that we were created, that we were made to do. So much of this gospel of Matthew is about the kingdom of heaven, about bringing in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus came. And that's our role, every single one of us now, is to herald in the kingdom of God where we are now, making it a reality, making it around us a place where the good news is proclaimed, where people can find freedom, recovery of sight in all means, living a life where we are living, loving God with our heart, soul, mind and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We need to make sure that we're not letting our fear and worry completely immobilize us. Sometimes it might feel like we can only do a tiny little bit, but it's amazing how God can multiply that. I have a friend who suffers with chronic anxiety and for much of her life it has immobilized her. And I'm impressed when I think back over her life how she still manages to do something. Sometimes she just can't go outside the front door. She can't get on a bus. But she's come to a place where she can phone up and say, I can't get on a bus, but I would love to come and help. Can you come and get me? I remember when my children were little, she would come and spend hours and hours helping with the children when I was struggling to cope with everything. Today, she's got an elderly relative, and she'll just go and spend days tidying and cleaning his house, taking care of him when he can't. And even when she's in her house and she can't go out through social media, she's always praying and encouraging people who are struggling in other ways. I don't think we're, any of us, are at a point where we're useless in any way. God is able to use each of us, whatever our situation so in the passage I see us needing to look up from our worries to seek his righteousness to make sure we are keeping pure 
in our thoughts and deeds and to continue seeking his kingdom, bringing his kingdom where we are. And the whole context of this, this this is part of the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And right at the center of that teaching is the Lord's Prayer, which starts our Heavenly Father. And that is the context in which we live this amazing, loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're not powerless. I think often worries when we feel like we can't do anything. We feel powerless. But actually, we live in the context of a loving Heavenly Father who has great compassion for us, who loves to provide for us, and doesn't give up on us either. This is another little bit from the book. This is Christy Wimber speaking now. Our choices become a daily discipline to let go of things and trust in the trustworthy one. We are to be led by the one who will lead us into the place of his provision, the place of his protection, the place of his power, and the place of his care. This is where we can find peace. Our circumstances may or may not change, but God will never abandon us. He is always present. Even if you don't see or feel him, he has set a table for you. You just have to decide if you'll sit down and have intimacy with him. This is not only where our trust is found secure, but where our shepherd has a place of rest for us. Of course, that's a little hint at Jesus being the good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And for some of us who are preparing for a trip to Lourdes um, at the end of this week, that's going to be our theme and a theme of trust. And we're going to have this extraordinary group of people with so many different experiences, so many different needs. And that's going to be our theme, that we're going to trust God for those planning and trying to herd this amazing group of people through the airport and all around France and up into the mountains on the beach. It could be a place of worry and anxiety, but we're going to trust God that he's going to bless every single person, that every single person will be a blessing and that we can trust in him for that week as we can all trust God with the days and the weeks ahead.